Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back again to Police Pod Talk. We're getting started again on this wonderful day. And today I am blessed to have two guests at one time. I think we've only done this a couple of times before, but I got two guests with me today that are going to talk about a young man that's near and dear to their hearts. I've got Tanya Clark here today. Tanya, you can say hello to the people. Hello. All right. And I've got Ashley Crager here also. Ashley, you can say hello. Hi, everyone. All right, here we go. We're going to be talking today about Austin Kreger, right? Austin is Ashley's brother and as Tanya's son, right? Correct. All righty. And we're going to let them take over, and I have a few questions throughout. And whoever wants to start first, go ahead and start telling us about Austin and what happened. So Austin was a 23-year-old. He was working a great job um, in college. He was interested in pre-med. He did a lot of shadowing um, at the hospital my mom works at, which is O&E Orthopedics Northeast. Um, He had struggled with a little bit of addiction. Um, I'll rewind back to I'm about, about two years older than him. We both went to Carroll, and it started off as what seemed like Harmless, partying in high school, smoking weed, a little bit of cigarettes, and occasional drinking. And we all kind of noticed there was a problem when the party didn't seem to stop for Austin after high school. Um, He had an injury that he was at work and had a seizure one time, and he snapped his Achilles tendon. And he was medically prescribed uh, painkillers, and he had just gotten addicted to those over time as his tolerance built up and there was some regulations put on the prescribing for those medications. So he started buying them from people he knew, close friends. It was never random strangers. And one day he had gotten a hold of some bad pills. So on that particular day, it was September 18th. It was a Friday. I remember Our grandma was coming over to visit, and he had college that day. He had went to class. I talked to him on the phone for almost an hour that day. He had talked about, he talked about moving into a house, um, his plans for the future. He was doing really well. He talked to me, uh, my mom, grandparents, uncle, everyone on the phone that day, and we all thought he was doing really good. Um, Fast forward to that evening, I was painting my bedroom and I got a call from my mom and she was working a second job in the evening and she said that Austin had randomly stopped responding to her. And I just had assumed that he fell asleep um, or just wasn't responding because sometimes he did that. Well, I stayed on the phone with her and she just happened to be let off work early that night, which never happens. And I remember when she walked through the apartment door, everything was dark. And uh, we have two dogs. Um, We had them at the time, and we still have them. But that is when she walked in and found him unresponsive. And uh, she had to administer CPR and call 911. It was apparent at that time that he was already deceased. 
Um, so I remember I threw uh, my two little kids in the car at the time and sped over to her apartment. Um, the firefighters had already arrived. EMS was there. Um, everyone responded in a timely manner. And I just remember they were working on him. Um, they pulled him from his bedroom out to the living room floor. And it was at that moment we had seen him overdose uh, numerous times before. He had went even out of state to rehab. And it was a constant battle staying clean and sober. But this time around when I saw him, I just felt like something was different this time. I knew he wasn't coming back. And I just remember sitting outside with my mom and looking at the clock and it was 11:11. and today of all days is 11:11, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty significant but I remember I was wishing that he could be brought back they actually came out of the door at 11:11 and pronounced him dead and they said time of death and I just remember I said 11:12 because I didn't want 11:11 to be marked as his time of death even though he had passed before but yeah, it was all. It didn't feel real at first, mm-hmm. but the what so, what stood out about that situation is the cops left us with the drugs that killed him. Which, reading through the text messages and Snapchats on his phone, um, we had read that he had perk 30s delivered, which I have heard from numerous sources that perk 30s are all fake now. They're pressed pills, um, even though they look real. So we don't know exactly how many he took, but the toxicology report revealed that he had fentanyl in his system. I've got to back you up just a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. What date, actual date, was it when he passed away? September 18th, 2020. September 18th, 2020. And you said that he had overdosed several times prior to. What did he overdose on? Um, It was a mix of things, but mostly pills. Uh, He took a lot of Xanax and downer pills. He had tried other drugs, but he said he liked the drugs that made him feel calm and at peace and take away his anxiety. Okay. And I got to back up even further. He had an injury, right? Yes. And he was given what for the pain? Um, We started on hydrocodone Mm -hmm. 5325s after surgery. Okay, and did he stay with that? Then he bumped down to, I believe they put him on tramadol. Okay. And then when that runs out, he wanted more. So that's when we turned to street. Okay, so he wanted more because he was telling you he was still in pain? He was still in pain, but it was more excuse, hey, I like what that made me feel like. So, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. still, he was saying more pain than what I believe he was in. Right as an excuse to take more that okay. he was not should have been taking. Now, we've got to go well, another question to you, Ashley. That, that was Tanya, right? Correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Make sure the listeners Correct. know who was speaking then. <laughs> okay, back to you, Ashley. i got to ask you, mm-hmm. you said that he was, he was doing more partying than they usually would do in high school. Okay, he kept doing it after high school. Is that what you were telling me? Yeah, so in high school it seemed like he was doing what a lot of other kids had mm-hmm. done, including myself. I, I'm recovered myself. But yeah, after high school, it just started to be more frequent. And he kind of withdrew a little bit um, as far as socially, like how many people he was hanging out with. And over the years, we noticed him hanging out with more of his drug friends mm-hmm. that would use with him. Um, so he kind of fell into a bad circle of friends. Okay. And during that time, were you having conversations with him saying, hey, this is not good or... 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, me and my mom both were really close with him. Um, even when I lived out of state twice, we talked almost daily. Mm -hmm. um, he was very open about it, but there's a lot of people in our family that aren't open about it. So he felt like he had to be silent. And when he tried asking certain people for help, they just turned their back on him right. and judged him. Okay, another question for you, Ashley. You said you didn't want it to be 11-11. Why? In the heat of the moment, it's because I didn't want 11-11 to be associated with my brother's death. Because ever since we were little, we both would make a wish at 11-11. It's kind of a you know, superstitious thing people hmm. do. Um, but looking back on it, I realize that's kind of irrelevant because he obviously passed before 11-11. But that date's always just in my mind. Okay, mm -hmm. that's fine. How did you learn about Perk 30s, Percocet? Um, actually, like years prior to his death, um, during my own addiction, I had tried them and they really do, you know, make you feel a certain way. I can see how people get addicted to them. Um, but I tried them socially hanging out with friends. And at the time I really didn't understand the dangers of it and what addiction even was. I was just trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was just not standing up for myself and just not being my own person. You said that the officers or the detectives left the pills with you? When you, yes. when you say that, how many pills are we talking about? There was probably 30, at least 30, 30 to 40 in the bag. And they were just left at the house? Yes. And I, you know, as the mom, I'm like, we looked through his bag. The police officer helped me look through his backpack. We looked through his room. And I explained to the police officers that he did have a history of taking pills and drugs. Um, so we, at the moment, we're trying to figure out, you know, at the moment what maybe he had done. Um, the bag was right at his dresser. I did not know what they were. Obviously, the police officers weren't sure. But I, and at the moment, I wasn't, fentanyl was not in my mind at all. But I, I told the officer, I'm like, you need to take these pills. And because this is obviously what I think he took. And they're like, we're not allowed to do that. So I'm thinking that my son just, I'm assuming, died from taking these. And they're sitting here in my apartment. And, you know, just the whole experience, that just hits you really hard. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with him? Because I don't want him here. I don't want him in my house. And he's like, you'll have to drop them off at a Walgreens. It was as a suggestion. There's a drop box. You can take prescriptions to safely dispose of them. But it just that moment, that was so hard. And then to think back that, you know, obviously those pills, some of them, I don't know if all of them contain fentanyl. You know, handling that stuff. You hear stories. I don't know how. You know, you hear stories. You can breathe it in the air. You've seen the video of a police officer. You know, passing out short of breath. Um, it's very scary to realize you're not aware at the moment of what's going on. And I wish people could be more informed. I had to perform CPR on him, but I did not do mouth to mouth. Um, I was on the phone with someone from 911 the whole time till the police right. arrived. And I'm thinking, you know, later after the event, what if he had had fentanyl? It was in his mouth and I'm doing CPR. Would that have done something to me? So the awareness of it, I think we need to be a lot more educated. So did you know anything about Perk 30s and fentanyl prior to this? I learned about these things through Austin's rehab. 
He went to multiple facilities. Um, when he was in town at rehab, I went to, at one point, an outpatient. Um, we had to go three times a week, and one of the nights, it was a three-hour family night. Every Wednesday, three hours, we went. I went with him every single week, and there were so many people in that group, so many titles, job titles, doctors, um, and it really, at that point, I learned a lot, and it was a very good support group, and I learned a lot from that teacher um, about the different drugs, what to look for, and it was, um, it really hit you how the drugs don't affect who you are money, no money on the streets, have a good job, have a job title. But I learned a lot about the um, drugs and things from that group. But I wasn't aware of a lot of stuff. Austin would tell me some things um, through the years, but I wasn't aware of a lot of stuff. Now, Ashley, with you being the sister, were you learning any of this along the way about fentanyl and what it could do? Yes, um, I had a lot of prior knowledge to it um, just based on my own history. And it was really hard to, I don't know, it's different when it affects someone that you love. You know, you always think it won't happen to you. It won't happen to someone I know. And then once it does, it makes you want to research it more and learn more. So I had a good base knowledge, but I definitely dug deeper. And to this day, I still research stuff. Were you and your brother doing these drugs at the same time? Not at the time of his death. So years prior to that, because um, I got sober from drugs once I had children. Okay. Um, so before that, yes, we had used um, drugs together countless times. Um, we always just thought, you know, we can hide it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's sad because we both tried to encourage each other. Like we would be encouraging to each other and it got to a point where we would almost lie to each other about our addictions Mm -hmm. because we didn't want to enable each other. But we were always close. We never fought. So mom, did you know this was going on with your children? They were both going through this? Not necessarily Ashley, but Austin lived Mm -hmm. with me. Um, Yeah, I was out of state down in Florida at uh, college. Okay. Okay. So I was by myself. Um, Yep. I was in my 21. Yeah, I wasn't aware of her things until after the fact, but Austin lived with me, so I would see... He, he got very, very good at hiding it, okay. but the more education I got through rehabs, the more I noticed. Well, well let, let the listeners know. What did you see? What did you learn? Depending on what he was on, um, if he overdid something, he obviously was about passed out on his bed, um, unresponsive, not able to hold a conversation. Um, if he did, I got to know... Um, Xanax, if he took too much, he would do a specific thing with his eye. Like his one eye, he would like kind of close. When he was looking at his phone, he did that every single time I picked up on that. He would be very like open. He would do things. He would be in a good mood. So he would like clean the house for me or sweep in and he'll text me at, at work and be like, hey mom, I just swept the whole house and I'm doing the dishes. And I'm like, okay, we're on. You know, he's he's on something because he's trying to have the better attitude and hide it from me. Huh. So he's doing good things. So I ignore that and think, oh, you did all this for me. Thank you so much. And it kind of redirected. He tried to redirect my attention right. from his behavior did onto you, a job. Yeah. Did you ever confront him with that? Oh, we talked all the time, yes. 
And he was very open when he got bad. Um, he, you know, I, I heard the excuses all the time. Um, but when he got bad, he was always open to go get help at a rehab. The block we had from that, um, we started out, he went to a rehab in Florida, American Addiction Center. He did, he loved it. He was down there for a couple months. He said he had more help from anybody there. One of his doctors had been a previous addict, so he connected with him very, very well. Um, he came back and was doing great for quite a while. Um, but then he fell off and, you know, started, I'm just taking, you know, I just did one pill and that's the only thing. I was around people and we were at a party and I just did it the one time. I'm not going to do it again. And that slowly slid into doing more, more often. Um, and he always came to me to go to rehab. Um, he was very open about wanting to get help. The problem we ran in with is insurance companies. Hmm. Um, he would go into a rehab. You're there. You know, after a week, insurance kicks in and it's like, oh, he doesn't need to be there any longer. Against doctors' opinions. So the max time we were ever in rehab, well, he was ever in rehab was like two weeks because insurance would kick him out. So that was just every time a fail um, as far as you can't fix somebody in that amount of time. What was the reason for insurance telling him he can't stay? The amount of money it is to stay at a rehab facility they will they literally cut you off to come because he would go inpatient so he would stay there day night it's a hospital setting okay we could go to parkview behavioral in town we did outpatient there um, but anytime we were put in a facility insurance every single time would come in and like he need, it's we're done we're done with the coverage so I'm going to keep you on that for just a second. Mm -hmm. What do you think needs to be fixed with the insurance companies? I The doctors need to have the final say because, you know, your doctor is the one working with that patient. Right. They're with them every day. They see, you know, you have to go in, you go through the detox, and then you have to go second set is to go through the classes. You have to learn to get off the pills, and then they take you through the whole sessions of, not wanting to go back on him and how to deal with, you know, how to deal with the pressure. And they're literally trying to teach you how to not get back on those pills and go through the same cycle again. And that takes a lot of time. And some people grasp it quicker. Some people need a longer time. Um, everyone's got a different situation that they're dealing with. And insurance, it's, I feel like it's just a number days you're in there, and I feel like doctors should have the say, you know, this specific patient, they need to be in here four months. This right. other patient, they're done after two months. They're good. And like I said, I think that's based off situation specifically. Mm -hmm. They're not looking at the individual and what they need. They're just looking at a number. Correct. Okay. Correct. Every time he went to rehab, what were you thinking? Or what were you hoping for? I was for? praying that this would be the last time. Because he did want to get clean and stay clean. Mm -hmm. So I just would pray, like, you know, there's always someone that you connect with, um, with people you meet. And I would just pray, like, you know, maybe there's one addict in this one that's going through rehab and he really connects with them. And he did do that at different places. And I would just pray it was the last time, like, he got it this time. Right. And the temptation's not going to take over when the pills come up again. 
Now, Ashley, I'm going to ask you this. While he's going in and out of rehab, and you know mom's struggling with it, because I'm sure you had conversations, right? Every day. Okay. Yeah. What were you hoping for? I was hoping that he would just come out of it alive. Like, I know he wanted to get help, and he voiced that. And he would go to the rehabs, and during the times he was there, um, usually, like, he didn't call me because he needed to focus on himself, and sometimes that's what the therapist recommended. Um, But every time he got out, he was back to, like, the good, happy Austin that I knew. But addiction is a disease, and sometimes it's stronger than willpower to say no so that's why it becomes a vicious cycle but every time he went it's like the same as my mom I just hoped this would be the last time Um, because I myself had went through periods where I'd be sober for a little bit and then use again and something I'd like to add to that I remember um, Austin had we were talking something that's always stuck with me he said the hardest thing about being sober he's like I have to face all my feelings He's like, I feel when I'm depressed. I feel when my anxiety is very bad. And he goes, being sober, you feel all of that. And he said, when I'm on, you know, take pills, you don't have to, you don't feel that because you have that high or you're asleep from whatever, you know, what what medication pills you took. Um, He said that was the biggest challenge is having the feelings that we all deal with every day. Hmm. And he said that was one of the biggest struggles. And that made me think, you know, drugs for some people might be an easy way out if, right. you know, whatever you're dealing with. You know, some people have a lot of bad things they've have been through. And I thought, I never thought of it like that. And to see people that way, like, it's hard for them to deal with the real emotions. Right, right. Well, i got to come back to you, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. It's almost like when you're in addiction, you want to feel that numbness, like escape everything. So it's almost like when you're sober, you're messed up because you Mm. crave that just, I don't want to say nothingness, but just the numbness. And it almost gives you a sense of ignorance, Mm. you know, um, and you think other people don't notice, but they do. And it's, it's really lonely when you try to hide it. And the more people I talk to, in the three years since Austin's passed, the more I realize, like a lot of people are either addicts themselves or one of their loved ones are dealing with addiction, whether it's a spouse or a child, a friend, you know, it can be anybody. Right. I've been saying mom, but uh, Tanya, mm-hmm. for <laughs> I keep calling you mom. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. You're going through this entire thing with your two children, and you kind of know something's going on. Who was helping you through all of this? Or were you trying to handle it on your own? I tried to handle it on my own. And I, you know, I took, I was very close. I'm very close with my daughter. And Austin and I were very, very close. So I'm like, I have this. He talks to me. He's telling me everything. You know, I'm there to take him to his therapy rehab. I was at every class I was possibly allowed to go to. Um, So I thought I can do this, but it got to a point. I mean, I was having breakdowns. Um, I, at work one day, I literally broke down. I got a call from him. He's like, I'm having a bad day. Um, I had to be on FMLA because I was, you know, I would be running out of work because he'd call me like, mom, I need you here right now. It was that open. So I'd, you know, run home, and I would be off a couple days to sit with them. But I got to a point, I was having breakdowns, and I literally 
was at a point I didn't feel like I could handle it because it's hard to watch that and not be able to fix it when your kid's hurting. Um, So I ended up in counseling, learning how to deal with this, and I also got the counseling through um, rehab sessions um, for parents and things. That helped me out a lot. But, um, yeah, I ended up having to be in counseling because I was at the point I, I literally couldn't handle it anymore. It's very hurtful to, you know, watch that and not be able to just fix it. So, but you, Ashley, you were away in college, right, when all this was mm-hmm. going on? So you didn't get to see what mom was going through, or did you know? I knew about it. I was down in Florida for, it was less than three years total. Okay. And when I was down there, I did get, she would call me sometimes in the middle of the night, you know, saying, what had happened or that he was being rushed to the hospital, you know, that had happened more than once. And all I could think of when I was down there was, geez, you know, like, I can't be there. So I actually ended up moving back mostly because of the situation with Austin. And I told myself, I'm going to move back home and get sober. And I did, but it wasn't right away. But it sucks sometimes in life. You make every excuse to not do something. And I was... No one, and down in Florida, no one knew. Um, I hid it from everyone. I was never messed up at work because I worked a medical job, but it was on my days off. I would do those things. And yeah, I just hid it for a long time. But where I was going with that was like it took Austin dying for me to, like I had been sober from drugs before that. But the alcohol was longer for me to cut off because in my mind, I justified, oh, it's legal. They advertise it, you know. So, but drinking almost resulted in me losing my life more than once after he died. So I just gave everything up. But yeah, that that's what it took for me to get sober. But it sucks because I see to this day, a lot of Austin's friends are still using pills, drugs, doing all these things. And it's almost, it almost feels like a slap in the face, like Austin's death meant nothing to them. Did you guys ever find out where he got these pills from? Yes. On his phone? I think you said he left his phone also. Is that true, or am I getting this mixed up with something else? <laughs> I have his phone, okay. and we've actually both looked through it, but pretty much everything was on um, Snapchat, so it's all gone. Okay. So there's no messages that we looked at and like, oh, hey, this, this has to do with this. Mm-hmm. There was nothing on his phone. Okay, so you knew where I was going with that question. Yes, I do. But you did find out where he actually purchased these pills from. Yep, the person, um, and it was actually a long-term friend of his. Austin thought he was getting Perk 30 pills. That's exactly what the message said. He dropped them off um, at the front door. And actually, I was on the phone with Austin during this time, but he said, hold on, let me call you right back. Someone's knocking at the door. He calls me back less than two minutes later and said, an old lady had the wrong apartment. Now, my gut told me that was a lie, but he was in such a good mood that day. I honestly didn't call him out because I thought, oh, he's talking for a long time because that was when we talked for almost an hour on the phone and I didn't want to ruin the moment. So I do feel a little bit of guilt about that. I always think like, what if I would have called him out? But yeah, he had them delivered, and the last message he sent out was at 7.11 p.m. It was after that there were no more messages, so I'm assuming that's around the time he took them. But he told his friend, another friend, he was going to take them right before he did, and his friend encouraged him to. He didn't even try to stop them. Hmm. So that was disheartening, too, because you think addicts are your friends until 
someone overdoses and they leave you there to die. They don't call for help because they don't want to get in trouble. But yeah, they're not really your friends. And I can tell you not one of his addict friends was there during his hospital stays, his rehabs, nothing. No one was there. So you had him on the phone. He had already ordered them. Mm -hmm. They were being delivered. And you kind of kick yourself because you didn't call him out on something. Do you really think that even if you called him out, he had already gone through all those steps, he would have stopped and said, oh, you're right. Oh, no, not at all. He he was a smooth talker, so he would have lied his way out of it. <laughs> but yeah, like my mom said, I always kind of suspected when mm-hmm. he was about to because yeah. he would almost get this euphoria feeling like he was so happy. Mm-hmm. And I wish he could have found that off of the drugs. Right. Mom, tell me about him. What kind of kid was he? Uh, he <laughs> Austin had the best personality. Um, he As a little child, he was always making people laugh. I go back and watch videos of him. Everyone's laughing around him, just stuff he would say. He was friends to everybody. I remember at the funeral, he, had, he was working part-time at a gas station because he had just went back to college. And I remember at the funeral, we, there was a group of people that walked in from his job and he hadn't been there that long. And they're, you know, they come up and they're all bawling. And they're like, Austin was so great. And he made our day. And, you know, that just made my heart swell. Because I'm like, you just had met him. You know, he wasn't there that long. And it's like to see how people just connected with him. And he did not have an enemy. He could talk to anybody he saw. Hmm. So he just had a really great heart. So he, he impacted and influenced people right when he met him. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So was he involved in sports or anything in school? or the He band played or tennis choir? in okay. high school. Yep, right. he played tennis in high school. Did he enjoy it? Yes. Yep, he liked the competition. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. What kind of brother was he? Uh, he was definitely funny. That's the first thing that pops in my head when I think about him. Um, he always had the, you know, the worst, like the best comments at the worst times, I would say, you know. But yeah, he was just always really encouraging. And every time I had an idea, you know, he was like the first person to be like, try it. Um, and we were really similar, but we were different. So we balanced each other out. But a lot of people told us we looked alike. But it was just nice having someone there through childhood that was so close in age to be able to share memories with and experiences with. And he was the type of person that he knew what I was thinking even before I told him or like, it was crazy when I lived down in Florida and I was having like a really rough time. Certain times he'd just reach out to me and he'd be like, I sense, you know, you need to talk. And like, I would. So that was pretty cool. But he was very charismatic and definitely a ladies' man. <laughs> yep. Yep. And oh, you yeah. could bring a subject up to him and, you know, you're sitting an hour later still having a conversation with him because he was just very open. Hmm. So you could say anything you wanted to, and he'd be like, oh, you're wrong about this, or you're right, or he just, you could just talk to him forever. Hmm. You're a good kid. Well, Mom, what would you tell any mother listening to look for, to be aware of? Um, it's very important to learn. You know, I thought I knew about drugs. There was drugs I had no idea about. Like I said, the fentanyl's been coming out over the years a lot. I think there's a lot more information coming out about that. The first thing is don't think that your child can't take a pill to try it. I know people have problems with drugs, but we're talking, you know, through rehab. I have met so many people 
their kids never, ever drank. They've never done drugs. You know, their kids, they went to a party. You know, they just try a pill or their friend's given them what they said's a Tylenol and it has got fentanyl in it. Um, you hear about those stories. Um, I've met parents that's happened to their child. You want to think, you know, we raise our kids not to drink and do drugs and, you know, all the rules you have as a parent. And it's not something I think people, I think it's getting away from this. But you always, you know, back in my day, you had a group like, oh, they're the druggies. Mm -hmm. You know, it was always grouped. And now it's not, it's anybody. It is absolutely anybody. And this is, you know, my fears, kids that just want to try something. Like how many of us have tried to taste alcohol before we were 21? You know, what if something, it's the same concept, what if something was in that alcohol, which now, you know, you have the drugs, they put in those, that too. But um, it does not matter who you are, where you're from, if you have money, if you don't. And then also to definitely get help um, going through this. Because it's extremely hard because as a parent, you just want to make everything perfect for your kids. Um, It's very, very hard when you can't help them. Um, You can't do it for them. So the biggest struggle is, you know, break down and go get help. Um, Get advice and get the resources that you need. We can do so much as a parent because that child's the one that has to go through the process of getting help. In Austin, being over 18... You know, I could have took him to a re- rehab, and he could have signed himself out. He has that ability because he was an adult. Right. Um, so that's hard, too, because you want to be like, you are going to go do this, and you're not coming out until they say. Um, so your hands are kind of tied based on your child's age. And then also just getting educated and knowing your resources and finding people that will support you because, like Ashley said, we had some family members that, you know, you try to talk to them and they're like, oh, he, you don't need to do drugs. It's like if it's not a, an addiction, people can just cut them off and not do it. And it's just realizing, like, it, you need to understand the aspect of addicts. I grew up, I have a brother that was an alcoholic, I went through counseling as a child or young adult with him. So I kind of learned about the addiction and there's some other past family members that had been addicts. So you kind of learn if you're in it or have family members or friends with it, but it's just getting the awareness out there. You know, why are they, why are they taking drugs? Like someone's hurting. They're obviously hurting from whatever they have went through or what they're going through. And I feel like people need to be more open instead of just, oh, you know, we did an interview at one time and got a lot of backlash. Like, you're supporting drugs and your kid deserved to die. Someone actually said your child deserved to die because they were the ones deciding to take drugs. But it's like a lot of people that take drugs aren't taking it thinking, oh, I'm just going to kill myself taking this pill. Right. And again, you know, there's kids, there's high school kids or even middle school kids that are trying things. And if it's got the fentanyl, they're dead and they have never done anything. So it's like kids don't deserve this, nor do adults. And it's just being educated. It really is being educated and finding people that will support you because it's a very, very, very hard journey. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard. (laughs) I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, as a 
Sister, what would you tell a brother or sister out there to look for in their sibling? I would say notice their sleeping patterns. I know that sounds really simple, but addiction has a pattern and sleep is directly affected by it. Um, Austin, depending on what he would take, sometimes would stay up for over 24 hours and other times he didn't seem to be awake for 24 hours. You know, he kind of just be in and out of sleep. Eating patterns changed. You know, I would, we would both, me and my mom would notice like sometimes a little bit, it almost looks like white foamy residue in the mouth from, I don't know if it's dehydration or mixed with the effects of pills, but I noticed that sometimes and slurring, like he would slur his words or eat. Like I remember one time he ate baby food because he thought it was pudding or something, um, but that was laying out on the counter so and then you know of course he made jokes about it but you know we knew something was up because Austin was never like an angry violent person so in other situations I would definitely say also watch out for like aggressive tendencies because some people do that that's all I was going to say about that Tanya and Ashley uh, well Tanya sounds like you had a wonderful son yes he He's was a good young man yes who did something that uh, cost him right Yes. And Ashley, sounds like you had a wonderful brother. Yes. Who was there for you. Absolutely. Who did something that cost him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you both miss him. Yes. Yeah. If you could do it all over again, this is going to be a tough one. If you could do it all over again, what would be the one thing, the one thing you would do different, Mom, for him? Certain situations, I needed to be a lot tougher. I had a lot of people, like, during certain, you know, episodes, you need to kick him out of the house. You need to quit coddling him. Um, But as a parent, that's hard. And I think every situation is unique. I do know people that have kicked their child out of the house, and that was a rock bottom, and it helped him. My heart told me if I did that to Austin, I would just be feeding him to the wolves to be around the stuff more and just be like, we were so close. I really feel like if I did that, he'd be like, oh, my mom turned against me, so I'm just going to get more messed up. But I guess I don't know if I could have been harder. It's just, I guess, being more aware. And I tried to learn as we went through the process, like I said, and went to all his rehabs that I could. It's just the tough love. It's so hard. It's so hard. And sometimes I did want to turn my back and be like, he had the excuses, and I knew he'd be lying. Like, I was like, did you just take something? No. No, I'm good. And we talk about it. And I knew he was lying. But it's just, you, it's that fine line of wanting, you know, what, what fine line you tread on crossing it to make him mad, to not make him, you know, turn his back and just say, okay, you're, you're giving up on me too. So I'm just going to go get messed up. So it's just the knowledge, and I wish I would have been more aware of, I tried to learn all the signs of what he took. And like I said, there were specific ones that he would do that I knew. But it's just learning more about the different drugs because I wasn't aware to educate more on that. Ashley, what would be the one thing you would do different for your brother? I never would have used drugs with him in the first place because I feel like once I did that, it opened a door to just be a downward spiral. What started as us all hanging out with friends just, you know, chasing a little high, you know, would turn out into people almost, you know, losing their lives. So it's a dangerous game to play when people start trying things and it's the world we live in. We have TikTok, we have all these social media platforms. 
Uh, parents cannot, I have a three and a five-year-old myself, they don't have access to that, but I can only imagine with today's technology, you can't monitor your child every second of every day, and they have parental controls and this and that, but it, one day at some point, your child's going to walk out into the world and be exposed. So it's about educating them and being aware of where your child's at, who they're staying the night with, you know, checking their social media when you can for these random people because you don't know where the drugs are coming from. Well, Tanya and Ashley, I really appreciate you guys taking time to share your story about Austin and share your feelings about Austin and trying to educate somebody who may listen. I'm sure people will listen and they can hear from you guys. Is there anything I'm forgetting to ask you or anything you're forgetting to tell me? Um, The only thing I want to add, this goes for anything you're going through, but when you have to deal with something, mine's the death of a child, make sure after the fact that you find your support people because it's not something you get over and it's not something you can understand until you go through it. And I was just talking to to a friend of mine. um, She just went through breast cancer and, you know, radiation and I look at that as an example, like I ask her questions about that, but I don't know what it's like to go through chemo or radiation, but I can ask about it. But until you go through it, you don't know. And a lot of things we don't pay attention to unless it affects us directly. So like the fentanyl, I wasn't aware of it, but now I hear, you know, Austin died from that. I hear about these stories all over the place And it's like, I didn't realize it was that bad now. And, you know, going through the death of a child, people say things to you, but it's the after effect of that, it it never gets easier. And that's losing anybody. But you want to find someone that's been through that because then they they really understand how hard it is. Because, you know, after that happened, I still have nightmares about that night I found him. It's just, you know, you hear stories, another child died or... I'm on a Facebook group of fentanyl, and every day someone has died from that, and you see that, and it's just like your heart just breaks for those families. And it's just, it's very important to find someone that understands how much you're going through. And that's covers, like I said, any situation, illness, death, because it helps to talk to someone that has been through the exact same thing. Hmm. Ashley, you want to add something? Yeah, I would just say on top of what my mom said, just whether it's alcohol or drugs, depression, anxiety, I know some of it is chemical, but get to the root cause of the problem of why you wanted to use in the first place. For me, it was just some personal issues, um, self-doubt, self-paradigms I had about myself, negative self-conditioning, because I didn't have a terrible childhood. You know, I was raised right. I was a good kid in school, got good grades, so there wasn't any red flags there. I've heard um, a close friend of mine say that addiction is the opposite of connection. So that right there, you know, once you become sober, you find new connections with other people, with things you love doing. Um, If you're religious, a a higher power. For me, that's God. So, yeah, just get to the root because every life's kind of like a tree. So if you just cut certain parts off the top, it's going to keep growing like a weed, you know, but trees can be weeds or they can be beautiful. So, Hmm. yeah. Wow, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. time. Yeah, thank you. This was very educational, and I'm glad I got to learn about Austin. 
throughout all this entire thing. Thanks, guys. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. We will catch you again next week. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.